We've got a special speaker with us this morning. Uh, Cesar Para is here with us, and Cesar comes to us uh, uh, from Toronto. Those of you who know Toronto, he grew up in the Jane Finch corridor, so that will mean nothing at all to you if you didn't grow up in Toronto. And if you did, you uh, you'll go, oh, okay. Um, someone can explain it to you after if they, if you don't get that what that means. Um, Caesar uh, came to Christ later in life and then went, uh, pastored a, a Spanish-speaking church in Toronto and then went off to Spain as a missionary and just uh, last November uh, returned from, uh, from Spain and is serving as the CNBC, Canadian National Baptist uh, Convention, uh, National Missions Director. I don't think that's not exactly your title, but close enough. Um, and so he's come here to share with us. We've invited him to share uh, share a little bit about his heart and to challenge us in missions and evangelism. So Caesar, come on up and share with us. And as you come, let me just pray for you. you. Father, we thank you for Caesar. We thank you for bringing him here today. And we pray that you would give him boldness in speaking your words to us. Help us to receive what he has to us, for us today. And may you speak through him and guide his every word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I um I I love coming to this church. I this is my my first time I preach here and my first time that I do a seminar here. But I, I pray for you guys all the time in my office when I see everything this church is a missional church, an evangelistic church, a church that gives to missions, a church that gives to the cooperative program. And you know because you guys give, I'm able to do this to go all across Canada and encourage. Um, young people and, and congregations to do missions, to, to witness, is because you give that we were sent to, to, to Spain to plant a church. Spain is very difficult to, to reach people because they say, you know, if you're a Spaniard, you have to be Catholic. If you're not a Catholic, you're not a Spaniard. So it's really hard to reach them. But we were able to plant a church there. Um, a couple uh, converted, they were biochemists professors in the university. Imagine, you know, they would always preach their, their science to me. But, you know, the one who is in us is stronger than the one of this world. And one day the gospel captured them. They accepted Christ. And he, Juan Carlos, is the pastor now of that church in Sevilla. And the church is growing and they're looking how they can plant another one in another town. So God did wonderful things through my family and it was because you give to missions, because you give to the cooperative program that God is able to do all these things. So in the name of our CNBC, we, we want to encourage you to keep living, to keep living for Christ, to keep giving yourselves away and support our CNBC and support. When, when you support the NBC, you support God's kingdom. Don't look at it as the convention. Look at it as God's kingdom. Because when you give, you know, we're able to help you know, lots of students go on missions. So far, just, just this month since January, we had already 14 mission trips. And, you know, we're able to help churches that, you know, don't have finances to go. So I want to thank you from, our, from behalf of our convention and encourage you to keep sending, you know, people on missions, to keep reaching people. And together, we're going to participate in the expansion of God's kingdom here and all over the world. I love the young people in this church. I, I was able to preach many times in, in SYC. And after being away for five years, 
I see these young men and women now that they said, Jesus, you remember um, uh, I was like 14 or 16. I, uh, I made a commitment and, and, and I prayed with you. You remember, you know, and I'm honest, like I don't remember all of them. There were so many. And they said, I'm a youth leader now. Some people say, hey, Caesar, I'm planning a church. <laughs> and, you know, it humbles me that I was a part of that, that God did that. But you know what, guys? Now it's your turn. Now it's your turn to go to SYC. Now it's your turn to invest on the smaller ones so they can become leaders and pastors and missionaries. And don't think in order to be a missionary, you've got to go on the mission field. You, where you are, at your work, as engineers, as accountants, as doctors, or whatever you're studying, at your university, you are missionaries. And we talked about that this week. But right now, I was asking if I can share a little bit about evangelism. And whenever I talk about evangelism, I get excited because I know the power when we preach the gospel. Amazing things happen when we preach the gospel. It doesn't matter if people say yes or they say no. Because there's power in the gospel, the Bible says, to convert people. Only the gospel will change this world. We can teach the Bible is great. We can invite people to Sunday school. We can sing with them for years. But until they hear the gospel and they answer to the gospel and the Holy Spirit comes into their lives, nothing's going to happen. Only through a conversion there could be a new life. That's why it's so important that we as a church must live the gospel. This young girl in Venezuela, I remember once I went to do a training and for the first time in my life we were going to go in the streets and knock on people's doors and I'm filming her and she's like 15 and she's training her group. And I'm like, man, this girl's awesome. Look at her go. And I'm filming and I go, hey, can I ask you a question? She goes, yes, pastor. Um, I'm the pastor from Canada. I know. How is it like to go out, you know, witness in the streets for a whole week. I want to know so I can share with Canada, Canadians. And she goes, I can't tell you that. And I'm like, rude. Why not? And she says, because here evangelism is not something we talk about. Here evangelism is something we do. Come tomorrow and discover what it's like. Pretty cool, no? Sometimes we talk and we talk and we talk and we train and we talk and we train, but we don't go. We got to go. And that's what today's story is about. Today's story is about four friends that when they hear that Jesus is in town, they go get that friend and they do everything possible to bring this friend to Jesus. It's the story that we all know about the paralytic. And if you have your Bibles um, you can turn to Mark chapter 2. And in Mark chapter 2, verses, we're going we're gonna to tell the story, but we're gonna, let's read verses 1 to 5. And look what it says. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. I'm reading from the NIV. If you don't have the NIV, you know, just follow along. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that, gathered that there was no room left. Not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get into Jesus because of the great crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralytic was, was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, 
he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. You can see there in your bulletins that I titled the sermon, A Collective Faith Brings People to Jesus. A collective faith. If we all have faith that God can save this world, do you have faith? You should if He saved you. Don't ever say, you know, that person is really bad. That person is really lost. There's no way. Now, that person believes in the Big Bang. He's a scientist. Forget I'm not even going to bother. For what? No, the same God that saved you can save anyone. So we all got to have faith. And we all got to help one, one another and participate and see what God is going to do through us as a church. When we have a collective faith, God does amazing things. The first person that accepted Christ in Spain, it was a little boy named Agustin. That was the first Spaniard that we brought to Jesus. It was two weeks after we were in Spain. And we became friends with a family. And Agustin was David's good friend. My, David, my son, he's 11 years old at the time. He, was, he must have been 9 or 8. And I talk about him all the time because he's very evangelistic. So, you know, we went for a walk. In Spain, you eat like about 10 and then they go for a walk. You come back like at midnight and then you talk some more and have coffee. Yes, it's really weird, but that's why it is. So we ate and then they said, let's go for a walk. We're walking in the night in the summer. It's beautiful. The birds are singing, you know, nice colors, flowers everywhere. We're walking. And, I can, and, and, and as I'm talking to the, to the mom and dad, you know, David's walking ahead and he's talking with Agustin. And I hear God and death and hell and heaven. And I'm like, oh man, David's going at it. So the conversation was that Agustin was afraid of death. He watched this movie that he shouldn't watch. And he said, oh man, so scary, like death. Are you afraid of death, Sammy? I mean, David. And he goes, no. Why not? Because I'm going to heaven. Even if I die, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to live an eternal life. He goes, how? Because I believe in Jesus. So he's, he's sharing with us. And then they stop. And then we walk around them. And we keep walking. And right when he, we're going past them, he says, you need, and you know, Agustin says, how do I do that? So I'm praying in my mind, Lord, use Samuel. I mean, Lord, use David. So then we're walking. And I look back. And he's hugging his friend. And he's praying with Agustin. His parents would look times of time, but... They didn't have no idea what was going on. We get to their house. I asked to use the washroom. And I walk by David. I go, David, it happened. He goes, he accepted Jesus, Dad. Can you believe it? I was still accepted Jesus. Dad, can I use the, 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 the car keys? I go, why? I need to get my Bible. I'm like, okay. So he went to the car. He got his Bible. His Bible was an illustration Bible that his grandparents had given him when he turned 10. No, 8. And it was in Spanish. So they gave him that when he goes on the mission field. So he's where his grandfather wrote, he's with a pen going like this. And I'm like, what's he doing? But you know, I couldn't interrupt. And I can hear him, he gave his Bible to his friend. On the way home, I said, David, did you give your Bible to Agustin? He goes, yeah, that's the Bible your grandparents gave you. I'm sure grandpa won't mind. I just erased what grandpa wrote and I wrote to him, you know, I love you, my best friend. Make sure you read these stories every day. And tell your mom to read you a story every day. About three months after, his mother phones me, Teresa. So Caesar, 
this Leviticus book is really complicated. What are you talking about? Yeah, you know, your son, he gave his Bible to, to Augustine and he, he, he told him to, I have to read like two or three chapters every night. So we're on Leviticus. But he, sometimes he asks me questions. This is really complicated. I go, oh yeah, it is. I go, maybe I can help you, you know, I can go and explain it to you. So, you know, we started a Bible study through what David did in giving his Bible to his friend. Then the dad accepted Christ. The uncle accepted Christ. Raul, the boxer, the other cousin accepted Christ. So God did this domino effect. Just because one boy decided to share with his little friend. So us together, we brought this family to Jesus. So then the father kept telling his wife, Teresa, you got to believe, you got to do this. She goes, no, I, 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 can't, I can't do it. It's just, I need more faith. Two years went by where Spain and still Teresa didn't accept Christ. His son would, her son would preach the gospel to him. Her son would, would read the Bible to her. Her husband, Mary was her best friend. So all four or five of us, we kept on trying. But, you know, we had faith that God was going to do it. One day, one day it's going to happen. The mother was the only one missing in the family to accept Christ. But she said she didn't have enough faith. And we kept trying, trying really hard to bring her to the Lord. A collective faith, together. And that's what this story is about. This story is about four friends that hear that Jesus came. What is today's story telling us? If we, if we look at the pretext, pretext of chapter 2, we see that Jesus cures many before that. He drives out an evil spirit from a man who was possessed. Days before our story, Jesus cures a man with leprosy in Mark 1, verses 41 to 42. Jesus tells him to stay quiet, but the man spread the news. And he told everybody that this is the Messiah that cured him. So then the four friends from the paralytic, they heard. This is Jesus that drove out demons, cured people. And guess what they said? Maybe... He can let our paralytic friend walk. Maybe he can cure him. That's what the story is about. So as soon as they hear that Jesus is in Capernaum, what do they do? What does the story say? They go get him, right? I imagine, you know, it doesn't tell us the details, but they probably went running, you know. He opens the door and he goes, Hey man, Jesus is here. So, but, Dummy, haven't you heard Jesus, the one that cures people? You know, he could probably cure you. Why don't we, we're going to bring you to him. No, leave me alone. Like, just leave me alone. You know, I'm, I'm here alone. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. I don't want to go anywhere. Just shut up, man. We're going to go. And they took him. And they went running with him. These four friends carried their paralytic friends so they can bring him to Jesus. Doesn't say how far they ran or how far they went. But, you know, back then you had to walk everywhere, right? They finally get there, first obstacle, a great crowd of people. They couldn't get through. And when you have a lot of people waiting to hear someone or doing, you can't butt in if you just got there. You, you, you'll get beat up. If you go to Costco on Friday, and the lineup is from the cash register to the meat department, and you try to go in the front and sneak in, 
they're not going to let you. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Get back out. Get the, behind the line. So they couldn't just go in there and, excuse me, we have a paralytic. We're going to go see Jesus. So they're there. What do we do? The paralytic friend probably said, guys, just forget it. Take me home. Shut up, man. We got we to gotta, we gotta do something. So maybe one said, you know, let's go around the back. Let's climb up on the roof. We'll dig a hole and drop you in front of Jesus. What? How are you going to do that? I don't know. We'll just throw you down. I don't know. We'll lower you. So that's what they did. Take an obstacle. So they went around, right? <laughs> you know, probably so nobody notices, you know, that they're still going to go in. Just pretend we're going home, man. And you know, they went around to the back of the house. Back then, those houses had, they were made of, of, of hay and mud. Because they used to change them every, every year or every month because, you know, it, it would leak. So they all had a, a stair at the back. So they went up the stairs and they climbed on the roof with the paralytic. Now, they had to bring him up themselves. They get up there. Third obstacle. How are they going to get him to see Jesus? Yep. The story tells us they dug through the roof. They had no tools. They didn't have an axe or the tools we have today. They couldn't start, you know. They did it with their hands. Started hitting. Come on, we've got to break the roof. Jesus, what was Jesus doing? It says the word, the text says that he was preaching the word, the logos, the gospel, that he is the Messiah. Could you imagine our, our Lord Jesus Christ is preaching to all the crowd, the people in the house, and then... Probably a hand went through. And everybody's looking. What is this? Jesus probably goes, I don't know. What? And then finally, okay, man, we've got to make the hole bigger. Okay, let's try to put him through. Oh, he doesn't fit. Let's make it. Did you gain weight, man? You're fat now. Like, so they made it bigger. Finally, maybe one of them put their head through. There he is. Excuse me. Are you Jesus? Uh, yes, son, I am. Okay, wait right there. We're going to throw our friend down. The text tells us in Greek that they, they lowered him. Now, we don't know if they lowered him quickly or slowly. They didn't have ropes back then. I think they just went, okay, ready? One, two, three. So the paralytic is there in front of Jesus. And now they're waiting for the big moment. Why they brought their friend to Jesus so his friend can walk again, right? Maybe sometimes you bring people to church so they can get better with their finances. Or they can get more organized. Or because they're sick. But what is the number one reason? What is the essence of the gospel? What is the climax of the gospel? What is the most important thing? Why God sent His Son to this world? Why did Jesus come to this world? He came to save the sick. He came to give eternal life. So He's waiting. His friends are waiting to see what He's going to do. They didn't know how He did it. Hey man, maybe He says like a magic word or I don't know. He does, he does something and goes, get up or... And then he's going to get up and he's going to be okay. What's he going to do? Okay, shh, shh, shh. What's he going to do? Let's see. They're listening to see what Jesus is going to do. What's he going to say? And what does Jesus say in verse 5? 
This is the climax of the story. Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, the friends probably went, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, how about the legs? The legs, Jesus. But that's what Jesus came for. He came to save us from eternal hell. He came to to die for us so we can have a relationship with God. He came to give us life, eternal life. That's what He came for. And that's why He said, Sons, your sons, your sins are forgiven. But before that, on verse 5, the same verse, look what it says in the beginning of the verse. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith. He said to the paralytic, Your sons are forgiven. What can we learn from this story? When Jesus sees this church's faith, He will use you to reach people. When was the last time you shared the gospel? When was the last time you brought somebody to this church? When was the last time you broke the barriers of your fears? When was the last time you broke the barriers of of when people tell you, you can't preach the gospel here. Or I don't want to hear it today. I don't want to hear your Christian stuff. We have to have faith. We have to break the barriers in order to bring people to Jesus. And if we do, it's going to happen. What are you doing for your friends without Jesus? What barriers do you need to break for them, for them to hear the good news? Do you need to make time to reach people? Look at your phone and look at your calendar. Does it say anywhere in your calendar, that day I'm going to share the gospel with my friends? Do you pray every day for your family that don't know Jesus? Do you use every opportunity to preach the gospel to them? Once, twice, whatever it takes? That's what this story is about. These friends were determined that their friend will be Jesus. And he did. They broke through all the barriers. And because of it, his sins were forgiven because of their faith. Do you have faith that Jesus Christ can save all your family here and in China? Do you have faith that God can save this Vancouver, this community? Do you have faith that one day you're not going to fit here anymore? You're going to have to get a bigger church because you're all sharing the gospel. You should have faith. You made it this far. But it doesn't stop here. We need to move on. Young people, you're the next generation. Do you have faith that your professors in university would accept Christ? Do you have faith that those students that believe in the Big Bang and science or their, or their what they say, you know, um, I don't believe in God. Do you have faith that God can also save them? He could. If only you have faith. God can do wonderful things. I want to close today with Teresa. Remember who Teresa is? Agustin's mother. Teresa got cancer. But it wasn't a serious cancer. On the third year we were there. And you go, how can God let, me, let this happen to me, Jesus? See, you, you see, that's why I don't believe in Him. I go, you know what? We're all going to die eventually, Teresa. You should believe in Him.
you know the message. Are you ready to receive him? She says, no. A week after, she phones me around midnight. Because Spaniards do that. They call you at midnight, at 3 a.m. They show up your house at 10. They're like that. She calls me like at midnight. She goes, Caesar, I can't, you know, we're just going to bed. Can you come pray for me for the operation tomorrow? Because they're going to do this operation on me. Yeah, sure. And I go to my wife, babe, I'm going to go to, you know, Teresa's house. Uh, I'm going to pray for her. She wants me to pray for her. Okay. I get there. You know, I, I get into the gospel again. And she's like, Caesar, I know, I know. You share with me hundreds of times. Just pray for me. So I pray. I leave, okay. Do you want me to go to the hospital with you tomorrow? And he goes, no, it's okay. Agustin is going with me, her husband, Agustin. He was like my best friend now, you know. I leave, I get home. By this time, it's like 1 a.m. Mary's texting on her bed. And I'm like, who are you talking to? Oh, I'm talking to Teresa. Oh, oh I was just with her. I know, she's telling me. I change, I'm getting bed, you know, I'm about to just, getting ready, just, she goes, babe, yeah, Teresa just told me that she's ready to accept Christ. Are you serious? Yeah. She said to come by tomorrow. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm getting dressed. I'm going there now. She goes, what? I'm going there now. Uh, Teresa, uh, she's going there. No, tell him it's okay. Tell her to shut up. I'm going there now. Her nephew was living in my house. He had problems with drugs. He accepted Christ. He lived in my house for almost a year. I wake him up. What happened? We got to go see your your aunt. Why? She wants to accept Christ, man. Are you serious? Yeah. You're going to share. Me? Yeah, you're going to do it. The way I taught you. Come on, let's go. We run over there like the paralytics in the story. We're running there, you know. Mary's praying. Mary, number one, she's praying. David's praying. I was seen praying. I'm there with her nephew. We sit down. And I go, come on, man. Don't be afraid. Come on. The Roman road. You know where to start. Romans 3.23, right? I go, yeah. Come on. Let's go. So he's sharing the gospel with his aunt. And aunt, does, does this have any meaning to you? Would like to receive Jesus. And Teresa looks at her nephew. And says, you know, nephew, you've been a drug addict for two years. And this Jesus cured you. He's real. And we prayed with her that day. And Teresa gave her life to Christ. It took two years for her to come to know Jesus. But our collective faith, her little son, her husband, her nephew, her best friend Mary, me, her pastor, we didn't give up. And finally she accepted Christ. Who do you have that you need to reach? It's time that you start. Where's the keyboard player? Keyboard player? You're the keyboard player, man. Aren't you? <laughs> Come on, we got, we got two minutes. Hurry up. Vamos, vamos. Muéntale, I'm sorry. I'm Latino. I'm very spontaneous. It wasn't in the program. Okay. Say whatever you want. Nice and slow. Okay? Whatever you want. Let's stand up. Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream that one day all white 
little boy, little white boys and little black boys and little black girls would go to school together. What is your dream? I have a dream that one day all of China will see the glory of God. Amen? No, no, I'm not loud enough. Amen? I have a dream that one day this church won't sit here anymore. I have a dream that this church will plant churches in every corner of Vancouver. I have a dream that from here, missionaries will go to China and all over the world. I have a dream. That's my dream. What is your dream? Who's waiting for you to bring it to Jesus? Start today. By this year, we'll bring one person to Christ. Think about it. If you will bring one to Christ, everyone, you will double by 2018. Let God see your faith and act on it. If you don't know how to share the gospel, learn. We can help you. We have Kathy, we have me, we have whoever. Your pastors, your leaders. Let's get ready. How many of you today want to answer that call? How many of you want to say today, you know what, as of today, every week, I'm going to make every effort. We're going to do it as a family of the church. We're going to every week invite somebody to our house to eat. Not just Christians.